Hey folks, this is Abel James, and thanks so much for joining us on Fat Burning Man, where we help you look, feel, and perform at your best. Let's start with a question we get a lot from you folks. How can I make meals that taste great without losing my mind in the kitchen? Today we're here with our friend and best-selling cookbook author, Melissa Jewel Wan, to help you figure it out. Her latest book, Well-Fed Weeknights, Complete Paleo Meals in 45 Minutes or Less, shows how busy people like us can make crazy delicious meals in minutes. But first, here's a note that just came in from Sharon, who's down 50 pounds with the Wild Diet. She says, Exactly one year ago today, I started going wild. I had tried paleo before, but after watching Abel on My Diet is Better Than Yours on ABC TV, I knew his diet was more than just paleo. The weight started coming off right away, and I started to feel great. No more joint pain and much more energy. I eat great food and exercise much less than I had in the past. By this past October, I had lost almost 50 pounds, but from Thanksgiving until right before the new year, I found myself cheating more than usual, and I let sugar and dairy back into my diet, but still no grains. I didn't go too crazy with the bad stuff, but I did have it. The great news is those two months of holiday cheats have caused me to gain only eight pounds. The old me would have gained eight pounds in one week. Anyone who's listening right now, you can just raise your hand if that's you too. I'm raising my hand. She says, I'm happy to say I got back on track with my eating before the end of the year, so I'm on my way to losing the remaining 25 to 30 pounds that I'd still like to lose. Congratulations, Sharon. 50 pounds is no joke, and I'm really glad that you mitigated the damage throughout the holidays because after a while, you still can cheat a little bit and get away with it, and in some cases, I even lose weight over the holidays because I'm away from uh, my own cupboard. So as you get ready to lose those last few pounds, Sharon, we're here to help you along the way, so keep us updated. Now, if you're listening, are you ready to drop those stubborn pounds the fun way? Then you're gonna love our 30-day fat loss program. In this plan, we share 30 days of mouth-watering meal plans that are designed to help you drop fat with real food. The meal plans are paleo-friendly, easy to make, and literally the meals that my wife Allison and I eat just about every day and night to stay lean, fit, and happy with minimal exercise. In the program, you'll get the most effective method of meal and nutrient timing to best stimulate fat loss and muscle recovery, the truth about how much protein you really need for your body type, and this one surprises a lot of people, 30 days of specific healthy fat-burning meal plans, and tons more. And if you check it out today, you'll even get a listener discount. All you have to do is type in this special URL, fatburningman.com slash 30 days. Once again, that's fatburningman.com slash 30 days. That's the number 3030DAYS. And if you're a fan of delicious recipes, don't miss this. Melissa is one of the star contributors to our e-cookbook, The Fat Burning Chef. You can grab that at fatburningchef.com. Ready for the show with Melissa? You're about to learn how to get started cooking healthy food, even if you're clueless in the kitchen, why it's a great time to be an introvert, Easy ideas from restaurants that add tons of flavor to your food, why it's okay to indulge on occasion, and much more. Let's go hang out with Melissa. All right, folks, best-selling cookbook author, paleo food blogger, and former roller derby star of the Texas Roller Girls in Austin, Melissa Malicious Jewelwan is a trailblazer. As one of the first paleo bloggers, Melissa has spent the past seven years sharing her innovative yet accessible paleo recipes along with her triumphs and tribulations in the gym, kitchen, and life through her blog, Melissa Juwan's Well Fed. We're both former chubby kids who have found our way in the world. We've been doing this for a while. 
and it's all brand new again. Mel, it's so wonderful to have you back on the show. It's really, really nice to talk to you too. It's been a while. It's been way too long. But anyway, we were just talking about this. We've been doing this for a while now. And at the <laughs> beginning, when you first find something, especially you know when you go from being in a place of ill health to a place of health, it's pretty easy to be obsessed with all of the cool new stuff and learning how to use all these kitchen tools, making new recipes. But after you do it for a while, your situation kind of changes. So let's talk about where you're at now. Yeah, so you know when I first started, it was about 2010 probably. Mm -hmm. And that's when like I had to go to four different grocery stores to, right. I thought I had to go to four different grocery stores to find the stuff I needed. Yeah. Um, I think it's a lot easier now it is. to find grass fed protein and you know coconut aminos and arrowroot powder and all that stuff. But then it was pretty hard. So like, I remember very vividly, my husband and I going to the grocery store and reading labels together. And he was like, he was like beside himself, losing his mind. Yeah all the crap that's in stuff. Right. And so like we pretty much devoted our weekends to shopping and cooking. And it was really valuable in that it taught me how to take care of myself and mm -hmm. it ultimately inspired me to write the cookbooks. But let's be honest, and you know, not everybody wants to make feeding themselves their job. Yeah. So now I feel like food has moved into an even more appropriate place for me. Sometimes I still do what I call project recipes where I play in the kitchen, sure. but mostly I'm just living my life and figuring out how to get food on the table a little bit more quickly, but always really deliciously, which is where the new cookbook comes in. Yeah. And your recipes have always been great, but I, I love them even more now because it seems like you're coming at it with that mentality. And we are as well, where it's like, you're not spending all weekend cooking. Uh, in in right. a lot of cases, you're doing your work, you're living your life, or you might be traveling and you need to put food on the table. So what are some ways that you've, you've found to do that where you're not stressing in the kitchen, but you're, you also know that you're guaranteed a good meal? Right. Well, in the first two cookbooks, Well-Fed and Well-Fed 2, I really advocated for what I call the weekly cookup, mm -hmm. which is where you devote a few hours a week. Some people call it batch cooking. Um, you devote a few hours a week and maybe on a Sunday afternoon or something and you cook a whole bunch of food and have it in the fridge so that when it's time to eat, you're just reheating or reassembling or mixing and matching. Mm -hmm. And that works really well until you find yourself out playing and you miss your Saturday afternoon cook up. Right. Then what do you do? Yeah. So the two approaches that I've taken that I really outline in the new book are one, I have this like magical one hour cook up. It literally takes an hour and you make homemade mayo, either sweet potatoes or white potatoes or both, mm -hmm. some basic roasted chicken, zucchini noodles, cauliflower rice. Those are like the building blocks of a great meal. If you have those things in your fridge, you're about 10 minutes from being able to make something that tastes really great. Yeah. And then the rest of the cookbook is recipes that can be cooked in 45 minutes or less. And what I've done is, you know, there are great recipes where you throw a hunk of meat into the slow cooker or you have a pot simmering on the back of the stove. Like I love those. They're mm -hmm. loaded with flavor. They're really comforting. So I tried to take those same flavor profiles and work them into recipes that can be made really quickly. And the recipes are written a little bit differently. It might be different from how most people are used to cooking. Usually a chef will recommend that you do a mise en place, which is just a fancy way of saying you prep all of your ingredients and mm -hmm. measure them all out before you start cooking. But with this cookbook, I actually give really specific step-by-step -step instructions so that you're always moving. 
So you don't do the mise en place, but you have your oil heating on the stove while you're chopping the onion. Mm -hmm. In an old recipe, you would chop the onion and then stand there like while you wait for the oil to heat. So I kind of compressed things, but really concentrated on loading them with lots of flavor and trying to get the fun back into it. I feel Mm -hmm. like sometimes, particularly with paleo, when you start, it can be really overwhelming. It's not fun. Mm -hmm. You're thinking about all the things you can't eat anymore. Yeah. And what I try to do is really steal ideas from restaurants. So there's lots of ideas for garnish, drizzling things with sauces. Those things are super easy to do. Yeah. And they add so much flavor and make you feel, I think, really satisfied by the food instead of like denied delicious things. Yeah. And it's a... The way that this book is set up too is it teaches cooking as a life skill, as something that that everyone needs to do, as opposed to more of a luxury or an indulgence. Mm -hmm. Which in some cases, Mm -hmm. that's that's what it is at the beginning, and that's how some cookbooks are set up, and they they can be great, but not all of us are uh, you know pro cooks or have the time or or energy to do that. So, what are some ways that especially people who are new to cooking? can start to get some traction because that's that's usually where that threshold is right at the beginning where it's hard to get started. Yeah, it is hard to get started. Um, I always really recommend to keep things simple. Um, and this is kind of weird for a cookbook author to say, but you don't always need a recipe. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about a really basic delicious meal, like a roasted chicken or an awesome steak and a baked sweet potato and a salad, like that's pretty much a perfect meal in terms of nutrition and flavor. Mm -hmm. And if you think of that as your base where you have, you know, some kind of protein, a starchy carb and vegetable, and then you can start to, I hope to teach this in my cookbooks, you can start to think about how to add things to them or swap things in and out. And it's still really basic, but you're adding more flavor. So, you know, a stir fry, for example, could be the same steak, only it's sliced thinly. The sweet potatoes cut into slices Mm -hmm. and it's stir fried with broccoli and coconut aminos. That's basically the same thing as a steak and sweet potato. (laughs) It's just that you chopped it up and, you know, combined it with other seasonings. Right. So I try to show those connections and show that it doesn't have to be really complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, I have this friend who wanted to try paleo and she picked out literally three recipes for every day of the week. So 21 recipes for her first week. And she went to the grocery store with this massive list and she bought all this stuff. And she came home and put it all away and then like laid down in the fetal position <laughs> because yeah. it's like, it's too much. Like you can't, you, you, you can't go for like 21 new recipes, you know? Yeah. So my advice is always, you know, to keep things really simple in the beginning and think about what it would take to make it interesting enough for you. For me, it's always a sauce. Like if I have homemade mm-hmm. mayo mm-hmm. that I can add, you know, crushed garlic and spices to, I'm golden because yeah. it adds flavor and creaminess and it feels really luxurious because texture is really important and that's one of the things that you get a lot of in a restaurant because mm-hmm. they do all kinds of things to the food to make it have this really nice texture <laughs> right. that you don't necessarily do at home because you wouldn't you know you just don't think about it mm-hmm. so i try to build some texture into the recipes too texture and also it's there's there's another step especially when you're uh writing a cookbook where there's you make the recipe you, you need to make sure it tastes good and that it works right but then there's the <laughs> other step where you've got to make it pretty Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge struggle for men, but it's the good news is that in, in many cases, that's more of an interest for women. So there's there's some traction there. There are some things that you can do, some things that you can learn. But for anyone who's getting started with that step, who might mm-hmm. be serving other people, 
you know, that's another big threshold that people need to, to cross over because they think they're yeah. going to be judged for the food that they're cooking. But in fact, yeah. you know, it's it, it, anyway, could you could you riff on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I always tell people no one can see what you're eating unless you're you share the photo. Yeah. <laughs> right? so, and when you're serving other people, it's really simple stuff that restaurants do to make the food look pretty. So, for example, uh, freshly chopped herbs sprinkle on top of a plate. Mm hmm instantly transform what it looks like we use that if you look at my cookbooks you can see we use that trick a lot particularly if you have like a saute that's just ground meat and vegetables that's been sauteed together it's like a big pile of brown stuff it doesn't yeah. look particularly appealing it tastes really good mm -hmm. but it doesn't look that great um so we always sprinkle with you know chopped parsley if it's something mexican you can use chopped cilantro if it's italian you can use minced basil it adds color it adds flavor. It breaks up the mass of brown in the bowl, and it looks really fancy. And you haven't really done anything except chop some fresh herbs. Right. Um, the other trick is citrus. So a mm. wedge of lemon, lime, orange not only perks up the flavor, but if you put it on the edge of the plate, it adds a little visual interest too. Yeah. And one of the tricks of food photography that you can also try in your own life when you're just feeding yourself or other people is a smaller plate actually looks a lot more attractive mm -hmm. than a big plate yeah. and a smaller cuddly bowl right. is a lot more attractive than a big one. Yeah, it does. And it also affects the way that you eat. Uh, I was, uh, just, I was talking to someone else about, they did, a, they did a study where basically you're sitting down, you're eating soup, but there's a tube attached to the, the, the soup. So people <laughs> don't know how much they're they're oh, wow. eating because it's pumping a little bit back in every once in a while and so the amount that people consumed of this bottomless soup was ridiculous like liters and yeah. liters of this soup because we, <laughs> we're just programmed you know we're having a conversation we're living our life people are watching tv whatever you eat what's in front of you so another huge yeah. advantage of that we do this all the time is yeah you have a smaller plate and it's amazing how that connects with mm -hmm. how full you right. are um yes because in a lot of cases, this is what we're up against. And especially, you know, you go out uh, in, in, as a couple and it's ridiculous to me that that I would get the same portion as uh, The Rock and my <laughs> yeah, wife would get the right. same portion as me. Right. Right. Yes. So you also need to be conscious of that, especially at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My husband and I were just traveling in November to promote the new book and it was amazing how difficult it was to get the right amount of protein for either of us. Mm -hmm. Like it's really, really hard to get good protein on the road. It is, yeah. And you know, he's six five. Oh, really? So yeah, he's wow. six five and like a big dude. Yeah. So I mean, sometimes he just orders two entrees and they look at him like he's nuts, but I'm right. like, <laughs> look at the size of this he's man. Thor. You, you can't give him like a piece of protein that's like that big. Yeah. We were in an, we were in an airport and usually we're pretty good about preparing, but because we've been traveling already for two weeks and we were on our way home, we were kind of like out of everything. Yeah. And I was getting a salad at the airport and seriously, the salad was great. It was this awesome bowl with tons of veggies and stuff. But then the protein was like these two tiny little strips of chicken. <laughs> like that's like Aww. a bite. That's a right. bite of chicken. Yeah. You know? So the portion thing is really weird. Um, my rule of thumb at home is 
you know, the size of the palm of your hand basically is mm -hmm. how much protein you want to eat unless you work out a bunch and then right. you need to add a little more. Yeah. Um, but the, the small plate thing is really nice because it's much more pleasing to your eye and it makes it look like you're getting a whole lot. Yeah. And then the bowls are just super convenient. And, you know, yeah. it, it feels there's something that's very primal, I think, of holding like holding <laughs> a bowl and eating out of it. I don't know. It just feels I agree. right. <laughs> yeah. It's super comforting to hold it in the palm of your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, you, you mentioned uh, balancing the way that you're eating with, with how you're living. And you you know have been a star roller girl. You've cross-fitted. <laughs> Where are you at now? How are you moving? Um, that's a really good question um, because I had my thyroid removed in 2009. It's been a really interesting experiment to try to figure out what is the right way for me to work out. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm still experimenting. Yeah. Um, for a while I was able to get back to some high intensity exercise, but then with working on the book over the summer, mm. like 12 hours a day, sure. that proved to be a little bit too much. Um, what's been really, really valuable for me is learning that two tent poles and how I take care of myself, like with physical activity are yoga and walking. Okay. And if, if people are familiar with my blog, they know that in 2011, when I kind of, I'd been doing CrossFit and realized like I had to stop. It was way too much. Yeah. Um, and everyone I knew who I trust was like, you need to do yoga and you need to go to walks. And I was just like, no, like I'm a, <laughs> like, I do CrossFit and I run, like I'm not going to go walking. What are you yeah. talking about? Right. And I was not really open hearted to the suggestion. I was sure. like, fine. You know? Um, and now I get really itchy if I can't go for my walk for yeah. at least half an hour a day, like getting outside and getting the fresh air is really nice. And the yoga, you know, I always thought yoga was kind of wimpy. Mm -hmm. It's really not. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. went to class this morning and I was like, this is actually really hard. Yeah. So, you know, I think I've definitely had a mental shift. You know, you mentioned that we were both chubby kids. Like, when I was younger and so overweight and, you know, people were, are mean, like mm -hmm. I got picked on a lot. So I always assumed that I was the problem. I was a bad person. I was lazy. Mm. You know, my body didn't work right. If I was exercising, I was a good person. If I wasn't exercising, I was a bad person, like all of that shame. And, um, so I always felt like when I was really disciplined, that was best. Yeah. You know, if I, you know, getting up at six was good, getting up at five thirty better, right? You know, working out for forty minutes, good. Working out for ninety minutes, better. <laughs> um, not necessarily the case. Yeah. So I've learned to let go of that discipline for discipline's sake, and now I'm almost I'm forty eight. Um, finally, kind of learning how to listen to my body. Like it's taken a really long time sure. to undo the kind of programming from teenage years. Um, so right now I'm doing a lot of walking mm -hmm. and yoga and I'm actually starting, I've tried to think of my exercise habits as an experiment. So I'm actually starting an experiment of doing yoga every day for a month, which I've never done before. Cool. I usually do it like twice a week or something. So I'm going to mm -hmm. try every day. Um, there's a really great studio in our little town in Vermont and they have different styles each day. Yeah. So I'm going to try it and see what happens. Cool. Who knows? <laughs> what is it like an hour? Hour at a time? Uh, it's an hour and 15 minutes because the last, last 15 minutes is meditation, mm. which is the other thing that I'm completely in love with right now. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> uh, meditation is taking off, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm very heartened by that. But uh, I think it's interesting that, that you would have 
yoga and meditation kind of stacked on each other because that almost outsources your need to insert it in your life, right? Mm -hmm. In the same way that, that CrossFit might have when you want it to do intense exercises. But it's yeah. another thing that fulfills multiple needs, including social connection, meditation. Mm. It's, it's really more of a holistic practice, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I do meditate. I usually meditate on my own at home too. Mm -hmm. Um, the thing that's really nice about the Shavasana meditation at the end of a yoga class is that you've systematically moved through your body. So you're really, really relaxed. Yeah. And it's a, it's a different kind of meditation right. that is, Oh, you know, no, I know, I know that meditation is a hard sell for some people. Yeah. Um, I have, I tend to have a very buzzy brain. I've had to work really hard to learn how to turn it off. Um, but now it's like this delicious vacation right. for however long you do it. It's just such a like, you know, some oxygen and some quiet time inside the noggin. It's really right. great. It's tough though, because it's one of those things that adds up over time and it just kind mm -hmm. of like goes up exponentially in terms of yes. what you're getting out of it. In, in most cases, yeah, you have plateaus or whatever. So I think it's, it's hard for most people because the first few times you do it, it's miserable. Yeah. You're like, this yeah. clearly isn't working. My head yeah, is louder is now. Than <laughs> yeah, this is stupid. Uh, but it is. All I can think about is how I'm not supposed to be thinking about anything. <laughs> <laughs> but we do. We, we have to uh, reverse that that programming that we have and start to appreciate that uh, you know the future matters and those tiny little things we do every day add up to huge Absolutely. results. And and so we need to kind of recalibrate our brains to do that. But you mentioned uh, conditioning or programming that we have from growing up. What are some of the other things that you needed to unlearn uh, that you're still working on now? Um. You know, I think that there's, oh, there's so many, <laughs> Yeah. you know, the, a big one associated with food is that fat people don't get to just, you know, don't get to enjoy their food. Mm. Like if you're, if you're overweight and you're enjoying your food, you're a glutton and there's right. something wrong with you. That's ridiculous. Um, my current thing that makes me want to rage is you have to earn your food. I'm like, no. <laughs> we need we need to eat every day. Yeah. And you need to you know it's best if you eat the foods that support the level of activity you're doing. Mm -hmm. But everyone, you deserve to eat every day. Yeah. <laughs> you do not have to earn your food. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm so those things, you know, and it's it's a lifelong journey, you know, I sometimes fall into bad habits mm -hmm. when you know, I have a bad day and I don't like the way my body looks. The first thing I think before I can stop myself is, oh, I'm going to eat less. Which, mm. And then I think about it. I'm like, no, that's actually not going to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that programming is built in there. You should work out more. You should eat less. You know, you should be a go-getter. And I've, you know, in my own life, working really hard to flip that more rest, you know, exercise that feels good, mm -hmm. enjoy the food. You know, you don't have to punish yourself by denying yourself every pleasure to reach your goals. Right. It's really hard to undo that thinking. And in in retrospect, you know, having gone through different phases of, of interest, um, just in fitness as an example, um, mm -hmm. how do you approach new practices like like yoga, for example? Because you, you, it sounds like you didn't enjoy it at first, but now it's something that you do. <laughs> how do you yeah, go through I mean, that? One of the things I love, okay, so as a kid, I was not an exerciser. I didn't play sports. I was super uncoordinated and klutzy. Now I understand that's because I was probably not very strong because I didn't mm -hmm. move. Mm -hmm. So uh, every time I tried to do something, I would twist my ankle. I would fall down and get the wind knocked out of me. One time I famously split my shorts in gym class. No. I mean, you, like every cliche, you name it, <laughs> it happened to me. 
But after college, I started working out with um, exercise tapes, VHS. This was back in the 90s. Cool. And yeah, <laughs> you know, curtains closed in the living room. <laughs> right. Nobody was allowed to come in. Um, and I found out that I loved it. Like, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Like, it was fun and it felt really good and it felt good to get strong and it was kind of fun to get sweaty. And then I just wanted to try everything. So after I got over the initial shock of, oh, I can't do CrossFit anymore, I tried to keep that open mind and be like, okay, I'm going to try it. Yeah. And, you know, I have to give credit to Melissa Hartwig She's of the Whole30 yeah. because I met her in 2008, 2009, and she was recommending to me that I give up dairy. Mm -hmm. And I was being very stubborn yeah. <laughs> about that. And she said, can you just try it for a week? You can't really argue with something as reasonable as try it for a week. Right. So I could try to do that. Like, I'm just going to try it, mm -hmm. give it a couple chances and see what happens. Cause it's just, you know, just learn more data. Yeah. And, and that's been another really helpful trick too, is thinking of the things that I'm doing as gathering data, as opposed to things that failed or I've, I've failed Right. Just gathering information because we're constantly changing and we're constantly learning about ourselves. And, you know, I was at my fittest and strongest right before I had my thyroid removed. Mm -hmm. And then that thing came out and everything changed. Yeah. So I can't, I don't have the luxury of being like, well, this is what I used to do and that's what used to work for me. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that most of us don't because right. every, you know, like we're, we're constantly aging. So every couple of years you kind of have to recalibrate what you're doing and check in and do an evaluation and make sure it's still working. Yeah. So I, I've tried to frame the whole thyroid meltdown that way as it's just, you know, everybody's going to have something they're going to have to roll with. Yeah. And it is really valuable to just check in with yourself and make sure that what you're doing is still the best for right. you at that time. And that takes kind of like sweeping your ego to the side on a regular <laughs> basis, right? Not, not just once. <laughs> no. You don't just like figure it out uh -uh. and then you have it. So uh, how do you how do you know when something is not working for you? Oh, that's also a really good question because I do have a tendency to commit to things and like I'm committed. Like right. I'm in, you know. So the meditation does really help um, because when your mind gets quiet, I think you can actually hear what your true self, this is getting really groovy, but yeah, that's what your true <laughs> self is trying to tell you. Like when that tape that's always running in your head mm -hmm. kind of shuts up, um, what you actually need to say to yourself comes through. Um, so I kind of just trust my gut. Um, I think that in the last year I probably was continuing with intense exercise longer than I should have mm -hmm. because my ego really likes to do intense exercise. <laughs> right. You know, the roller girl in me is like, yeah, this is hard. This is awesome. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, I still slip on that sometimes, but I think sure. just, you know, periodic check-ins. I do a lot of, um, I don't do like journaling where I write down my feelings or anything, Yeah. <laughs> but I do keep track of, you know, I'll go periods where I'll track my food for a little while just to see, mm -hmm. you know, am I still on track or I'll track my workouts for a while and my sleep and see like, how am I doing? So you don't have to document every second of your life all the time, but like little periodic check-ins like that can be really helpful. Yeah. I notice as we're talking right now, anyone who's watching the video version can, t can tell <laughs> that it's getting dark there. And so you're in Vermont 
I grew up in New Hampshire. I remember, you know, when the sun would go down over the pine trees at like three o'clock in the winter. Let's talk about what that does to your physiology. Because, no, you look great. Come on. (laughs) But that actually changes the way that you feel, right? You need to honor that. It really does. It's been really interesting. Um, You know, it gets dark here. It's going to be dark, dark here in about 30 minutes. Yeah. And I've noticed that that's, it's triggering me wanting to eat dinner earlier, mm-hmm. but it's also triggering me wanting to go to bed earlier. Yeah. So our dinner has moved up about 90 minutes, but so is bedtime. Okay. And you know, it's, it's actually kind of nice. Like it feels yeah. a little bit, it feels a little bit appropriate. You know, right. It feels like we're hibernating a little bit. Yeah. Um, because you're, you're, it gives you the opportunity and excuse to catch up on sleep. It makes that easy yes. right like you're yes. in recovery mode as opposed to uh, i'm down here in austin where you lived for years right. and that's uh-huh. kind of the opposite right because really like is. in the summertime it's it's light all the time in the winter yeah. yeah it still gets dark but i mean you could you could uh burn the candle at both ends if you wanted yeah. to any night of the week uh-huh. <laughs> yes. i always wonder what it would be like to live in one of those places where it's dark for six months and light right. for six months because i would never i mean i have eye mask, earplugs, blackout right. curtains, like I, and that's when it's dark. <laughs> like, I don't know yeah. what I would do if it was light out all the time. Right. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Have you changed what you're eating much, uh, along with the, the light and the season? Yeah. I mean, I'm experimenting a little bit now with, um, my carbohydrate intake mm-hmm. because when I was working out a lot and because mm-hmm. of my thyroid, I was eating like quite a, I mean, a lot for me. Yeah. Um, so I'm just still trying to figure out like how much I need to feel really good. Um, and I kind of, you know, while we were doing the cookbook and then we were traveling, our vegetable intake kind of fell off a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so it's hard. I'm committed to like two veggies every meal. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of back in a way. I kind of feel like I'm, I'm like, a newbie again with my paleo practice. I'm really trying to make sure I tick every box again. Mm-hmm. You know, we're having bone broth every day and, you know, two veggies at every meal right. and just trying to lots of variety because, you know, when you're doing this for a while, you kind of fall into your habits of the things you eat all the time. And I'm yeah. trying to get more colors onto the plate, just the basic yeah. good habits. <laughs> but in Vermont, still no dairy? <laughs> no dairy for me. You know, yeah. what's really funny is, um, if I eat like a little bit of cheese, mm-hmm. I'm okay. Okay. And if I'm not stressed, I can like play a little bit more with right. what I eat. But we got, there's this place near here that has really good gluten-free pizza. Okay. And my husband and I made a deal that when we finished the cookbook, we would get a gluten-free pizza and watch nice. a movie and celebrate. That's great. So we got this pizza and I ate a whole bunch of it and it tasted really good. And I slept fine that night and I woke up the next day and like, my digestive system felt fine. Everything was totally normal. And I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. I had my gluten-free treat pizza and I right. feel awesome. And the next day, my entire neck broke out. No way. <laughs> and I had these really terrible blemishes <laughs> on my entire neck for like a week. Oh, and man. And I was like, yeah, I didn't totally get away with eating all right. that cheese. So it was so the dairy. Clearly, cheese is a problem. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Yeah, my, my wife is the same way. It's like when you have just a little bit of it and you're not stressed, totally cool. But even a little bit of it when you are stressed, totally different results. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing what the stress does. Yeah. So what do you do to dial that down? Well, we have what we call, <laughs> I'm really giving you an insight into our household. Yeah. We have what we call home hospital, 
which is where we pretend like we just came home from the hospital. Okay. And we treat ourselves the way you would treat someone that just got out of the hospital. Huh. We keep things quiet. We read a lot. We meditate. We go for walks. I make really healthy food. We kind of like cancel any kind of socializing mm -hmm. just for a short time and just kind of like turn inward and reflective to kind of mentally and physically heal a little bit. Yeah. So that's where we are right now because this, you know, my husband was in grad school for two years and I was writing the new book for two years. And then as soon as we finished it, because we self publish, we had to jump right into marketing and promotion. Right. And then we traveled for a whole month. Yeah. So that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> that's, and like, I'm super introverted. I should yeah. also mention, I'm very introverted. I really like my alone time and having my nose stuck in a book. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot. So we're in home hospital right now. Yeah. Very cool. Let, let me Feel ask free you. to steal that for yourselves, everyone. <laughs> Home hospital. We have, uh, we call it like spa day. Yes. And sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll uh, get out like the physical things like the, uh, the rumble roller. You ever see those things, the massive foam rollers or, uh, you know, we'll just give each other back rubs or something like that. And a lot of times we'll go to like the float tank or the chiropractor or oh, something tank. that's the best. Yeah. <laughs> Especially for book writing. It's the best. Yes. Yes. Cause the brain is running like crazy and like writing a book is not the greatest physically. No. <laughs> I mean, I use a standing desk now, yeah. which is, has really helped a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but now I can't sit. <laughs> like if right. I have to sit somewhere, I'm like, you know, I know. Isn't um, that funny? Yeah. I, it's terrible. I can't go to conferences anymore. Yeah. I can't even like go into hotel rooms or, or those right. big, you know, ballroom things. It's just, uh, <laughs> right. And I'm like, why don't like, is it weird to just stand around the edge? Like, why yeah. do they have standing areas for right. that? We've you trained know? ADD. But let me ask you this, because um, it seems like you're a cutting-edge type of gal. As an introvert, it mm -hmm. seems like where things are going with technology is actually more advantageous now for, for people who just kind of can put their head down, read a bunch of books, and then come out there and, uh, you know, spread their gospel, as it were from the comfort of their own home. Mm -hmm. And I don't really have much more to say about that other than like, that's pretty cool, right? Because that's yeah. never happened before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is really nice. Um, I, I have a really mixed relationship with social media. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it is really, really awesome because I do feel like I have genuine connections with people. I mean, I think you and I probably met online even though we were both living in the same yeah, town. Yeah, I think we did. Um, you know, I definitely have made genuine connections with people and it is a, like a boon to people who have a hard time in like big social groups because, mm -hmm. you know, I do feel like I can sort of broadcast and then when I hear back from people, it turns into this really nice one-on-one -on -one conversation, Yeah, which is like perfect for somebody who like, I don't really get social anxiety. It's just, I really like people. So yeah. when I'm in a social situation, I talk a lot and then right. I come home and I have like nothing left. Yeah. Just like batteries are like totally uh, yeah, one down. Same way. Yeah. If but, people are like, you're not an introvert. I'm like, just because I'm not shy doesn't mean I'm not an introvert. Yeah. It's an interesting yeah. thing, but it's more yeah. of the, uh, you know, a lot of artists and creatives. And I think you definitely fall into that group. That's, that's how you're, you're set up. It's like you're, uh, you're in performance mode or you're in like, after exactly. performance mode or pre-performance mode. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, that's a perfect description. But uh, I'm, I'm trying to lighten my picture a little bit because it keeps getting darker. darker. <laughs> Forget about it. No, it, it actually still looks great, but uh, it's definitely way darker there. 
right now. <laughs> it's almost time for dinner in bed, everybody. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Do you find that you're getting more sleep or you're waking up earlier? You know what's really interesting is that I'm I w- I always wake up if I'm if I'm taking care of myself, I always wake up between six and seven AM mm-hmm. without an alarm. Yeah. And that happens no matter what time I go to bed. Okay. So if I'm, you know, on the rare occasions now that I actually stay out late, like if I was, and I've always been this way, if I was one of those people that like was out until two o'clock in Austin at a show or something, I would still wake up between six and seven. Like that's just, I just wake up then. Um, What's really interesting now is I'm going to bed, I'm going to sleep a little bit earlier, but I, I've been waking up around two Mm -hmm. and I read for like half an hour and then zonk directly back to sleep until yeah. like seven. So there's this little half hour break cool. in the middle, which used to make me really nervous, but I don't think it's a cortisol issue. I think it's just right. that I'm going to bed at like nine. Well, so yeah, exactly. I remember when I was writing my book, I, I ran across some some re- research and history that points to that, where you have yes. multiple phases of sleep and you wake up in the in the twilight hour and that's when people were writing their books reading drawing doing some creative types of work because you're in a different brain state when you wake right. up in the middle of the night uh, yeah. especially if it's not to go get a sandwich or something but it's just to <laughs> yeah. kind of you know uh, but that that seems like it would be a natural side effect of being in a place where it gets dark at 3 30. <laughs> exactly exactly it's a way to get more work done for those type a personalities out there <laughs> someone said to me today like how do you have time to read and i'm like I go to bed really early. Yeah. <laughs> I get that hour before sleep. It's really nice. Right, right. It works. Well, we're coming up on time, uh, but before we go, I wanted to ask you, you know, in the uncertain future that that faces <laughs> us, what are the things that, that you're doing to really stack the deck to make sure that you're on the right path forward as it relates to health? Oh, geez, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am really interested to see what my 30 days in a row yoga experiment yeah produces because I feel like, you know, as I'm getting old, it's getting older is really different than I thought it was going to be. Really? (laughs) Well, I don't know what I thought it was going to be like. Um, it's, I feel the same on the inside, which I didn't really expect. Like Mm. I still feel like 17 Yeah. and like, here I am in this 48 year old body that like, you know, doesn't have a thyroid and kind of, I'm trying to figure out how to take care of this thing. It's like now 48 years old. You yeah. know? Sometimes I think about like if you had a car that was 48 years old and how, like how tenderly you would take care of it. Mm-hmm. And then here I am like, you know, bashing myself around all the time. Yeah. So the thing that I find really interesting about yoga in a way that I didn't before is that it definitely feels like a thing you can keep doing yes. forever. Yeah. Um, and I feel the same way about lifting heavy things. So Mm -hmm. that's something I I neglected to mention earlier, but that's also one of the like tent poles of how I take care of myself. I really like to move the barbells around. Yeah. And I feel like as long as we keep doing that, it's not something that we have to then exclude later. Right. You know, as long as I keep it up, it doesn't have to be a thing that goes away. Yeah. Um, So I think that, you know, I talked earlier about how I've kind of given up on discipline for discipline's sake. And Mm -hmm. instead, I'm much more motivated by you know, activities that will make me feel good for as long as possible. Yeah. You know, my husband and I are moving to Prague in April, which is going to be a big European adventure. Yeah. And we love to go on trains and I am not a light packer because I need to have all of my girl stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a very heavy suitcase all the time and I love that I can run for the train with my suitcase and haul it up the steps of the train yeah. by itself. 
So as long as I can continue to do that, I will be a happy person. And that's kind of my goal. Like I want to be a tough old broad who can carry her own groceries and her own suitcase. And I may still have jet black hair when I'm 90 because I'm never going to stop dyeing my hair. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Well, Melissa, you're freaking awesome. Where can people find you and tell us a little bit more about your new book? Okay. I can be found at meljulwan.com, but I recognize that Julwan might be hard to spell. <laughs> so if you search for well-fed, it will probably point you to me immediately. Um, my cookbooks are well-fed, well-fed too. And the new one, well-fed weeknights, complete paleo meals in 45 minutes or less. Yes. And there are 128 recipes in the book and a hundred of them are 30 minutes or less. So That's amazing. think about that. As, as uh, someone who makes cookbooks ourselves that is tough to do and your recipes are awesome (laughs) thank you do we have time for one really fast story yeah i was i was doing research and a famous chef whose name i will not say yeah has a cookbook you could look for it 15 minute meals Mm -hmm. and i was like how is he doing healthy meals in 15 minutes like that's pretty nuts so i got the book and i opened it up all ready to like learn some kind of magic voodoo from him and no there's like five or six things for each recipe that you do in advance. And then it's 15 minutes after you've oh, done those okay. things. I'm like, that is not a 15 minute recipe. <laughs> that is a half hour recipe broken into two pieces. That's cheating. <laughs> so thank you. Cause yeah, it was hard getting them down to real time. Yeah. Their publisher made them do it. I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, anyway, okay, Mel, thank so, you. What's thank that? you very much. I was just going to say Mel Julwan is my username across all social media yes. and Twitter is my favorite. So come talk to me on Twitter. Fantastic. And your cookbooks are excellent as is your blog and, and your work. Great writer, wonderful stuff. So thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome anytime. Thank you very much. It's great to see you. Bye. Before you go, don't forget to grab your listener discount on our 30 day fat loss plan. In this plan, we share 30 days of mouth-watering wild diet meal plans that are designed to help you drop fat with real food. The meal plans are paleo-friendly, easy to make, and literally the meals that my wife Allison and I eat just about every day and night to stay lean, fit, and happy. In the program, you'll get the most effective method of meal and nutrient timing to best stimulate fat loss and muscle recovery, the truth about how much protein you really need for your body type, 30 days of specific healthy fat-burning meal plans as a done-for-you nutrition strategy, and tons more. If you check it out today, you'll even get a listener discount. All you have to do is type in fatburningman.com forward slash 30 days. That's the number 30, D-A-Y-S. Once again, that's fatburningman.com forward slash 30 days. I'll see you there. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Fat Burning Man. If you liked it, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, the podcast app, or wherever else you might be listening to or watching this show. Got a second? Please leave me a quick review on iTunes. I always love hearing from you, and if you think someone else might like and benefit from this free show, please take a second to share it with a friend or with a family member. You can get in touch with me on Twitter at FatBurnMan and Facebook by typing in Abel James or Fat Burning Man. Drop me a line anytime. 
Did you know that I've recorded over 150 episodes of Fat Burning Man, winning four awards in independent media and hitting number one in more than eight countries? And here's some more good news. You can download and listen to every single episode for free. All you have to do is type in fatburningman.com. I'll give you a second to type it in, fatburningman.com. And you'll get all the show notes in video and audio versions for all the past episodes of Fat Burning Man. Better yet, enter your best email at fatburningman.com, sign up for my newsletter, and I'll even send you a quick start guide to start burning fat right now and a few of our ridiculously tasty recipes as a special thanks for signing up. Once again, just go to fatburningman.com right now, enter your best email to get your free fat burning download straight to your inbox and make sure that you never miss a show again. This is Abel James signing off. Thanks so much for listening and have a great week. your selfie and it's not about the application of that towards something else and again I think sometimes it gets confusing because gymnastics is a sport Olympic lifting is a sport and powerlifting is a sport but you know, we've forgotten why we're using those tenets to become better